0: Welcome to the Covenant Women Podcast with Dr. Adonica Howard-Brown, your on-demand source for Holy Ghost-filled preaching and teaching. Be refreshed, encouraged, and strengthened as you hear the Word today. Second John chapter five, and verse six. Oh, sorry, S- S- second John five and six, there's no chapter. And now I beg of you, ladies Syria, not as if I were issuing a new charge, inju- injunction, or command, but simply recalling to your mind the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And what this love consists in is this, that we live and walk in accordance with and guided by His commandments, his orders, His ordinances, His precepts, and His teaching. This is the commandment, as you have heard from the beginning, that you continue to walk in love, guided by it and following it. What the Holy Spirit is doing in your life, what the Word of God is doing in your life, progressively, as you receive the Word, as you allow the Holy Spirit to do His work, he, they are bringing about a submission. A submission of your spirit to the will of God and the plan of God and the word of God. A submission of your soul, your mind, your will, your intellect, your emotions. A submission of your body. In the world, people's bodies dominate them. Their flesh rules. Whatever their flesh wants, it gets. Their flesh rules their mind, their mind rules their spirit. In God's order, your spirit rules. It rules your your mind, and your mind rules your body, so your spirit tells your mind. You, uh, your, in other words, you know, a lot of people allow their feelings to dominate them, but you need to tell yourself how you're gonna feel. I will. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. That's your spirit telling your mind and your emotions how they're gonna feel. And then what happens is automatically, your, your body is gonna come under control. You tell your head how it's gonna think, how it's gonna feel, how it's gonna respond, and your body will come under subjection to you. And it's an ongoing work in your life. Obviously, when you first get born again, your flesh is ruling. But as, the more God works in you, the more you see. I, I mean, I have seen the most dramatic changes in people. The whole way they carry themselves, the way they look, the way they speak, their whole, everything, when the Word comes in and begins to change them, everything about them changes. You can see it on them, and it's it's just, it's so awesome. And it's all a progression of submitting, 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 submitting. A lot of people don't like the revival meetings that we have because you have to submit to the Holy Spirit. And there's some people, they wanna be Christians, they wanna go to church, they wanna do all that, but they don't want to submit to the Holy Spirit. And if ever people don't wanna submit to something, they have to find something wrong with it. And if the preacher is saying something that's out of the word of God that you don't wanna hear, you either have to stop and go, well, I don't like this, but I have to receive it, or if you reject it, you have to reject the word, and you have to reject the preacher. And that's what a lot of a lot of people get mad at the preacher. And it's got nothing to do with the preacher. It's because they don't want to receive the word that he's bringing to them. Amen. So it, there's a progressive work in your life of submission. Remember, I said to you, Jesus was anointed without measure. Why? Because he was completely, utterly in all things to the smallest detail submitted to the Father. He did nothing, he was God in the flesh and did nothing on his own, of his own accord because he felt like it. When he was in the garden of Gethsemane, he was wrestling with his flesh. You know, the Bible says he's a high priest who understands what we go through because he, like us, was, has been tempted. He's been tempted in everything we are tempted with. He was tempted with, but it says he never sinned. He never gave in. So when these people write these stupid books about Jesus was married and to Mary Magdalene and had offspring, that's the biggest bunch of garbage. He had, a, he had another purpose, and he had to keep himself completely sinless he had to be completely submitted to the will of God in everything and his flesh sweated blood i mean you have to be the bible says you know what are you complaining about i'm paraphrasing you haven't sweated blood yet resisting sin jesus sweated blood resisting sin what sin to refuse to go to the cross he sweated blood he fought with his body i mean he, and and he won a huge victory in the garden already. And once he won that, that, that victory over his flesh, he just submitted himself to the process and like a, like a sheep before his shearers is dumb, he didn't say anything and just allowed himself to, to follow the thing all the way through. But it wasn't easy for him. It wasn't easy for him. And you can go, well you're God, it's easy for you to say. Or some people like, well you're the preacher, it's easy for you to say. Listen, the preacher had to walk the same road you have to walk. How do you think they got there? They all started out the same as you. I was saved three months when I went into Bible school. I knew quite diddly about anything. And I'll tell you, it was, a, it was quite a year. And I had to submit to the Word of God in my life. And if I hadn't, the change wouldn't come. Change can't come until you submit to the will and to the Word of God in your life. And so, you might as well start now and just allow the Lord, and thank God for the Holy Spirit, because I have to tell you that I was saved for 10 years before I got into revival, and, and God did more for me just in the last, since 89, you know, whatever that is, this year it's going to be what, uh, 16 years. He's done more for me in that time than He did in the whole time before because of His presence, because I just, I had put myself that living sacrifice on the altar, and I said, God, do it and allowed him to do it, and it's, it didn't happen overnight, it was a process, but, but I had to submit myself to him. And, and then in that process, as he spoke to me, I had to deal with things. I had to release things, I had to forgive people, I had to make adjustments in my life. But it's, we, the whole process is being more and more submitted, more and more submitted, more and more submitted to the will of God, to the Word of God, to his plan for us, to lay down our flesh, to lay down what we want to lay down our plan, our desire, and to take up His. And so many people, they want the anointing, they want, because a lot of people want the anointing because they want the glory. They don't want the anointing because they love anybody or they want to help anybody, amen. We, we need to want the anointing because we love Him, amen. And because we love people, and because we want to be a blessing. The Bible says you are born to be blessed and you're born to be a blessing, Amen. You are born to be blessed and born to be a blessing, but we need to be completely submitted to Him in everything. And walking in the love of God is a major, major shortcut, in a sense, step to getting submitted to the Word of God because when you first start, you don't wanna love nobody, you wanna punch them. You want to cuss them out, you want to curse them. <laughs> and so you really have to submit your flesh to the word, to walk in love. And so it, a person who walks in love goes streets and strides ahead of the person who won't. And so it's very important if you, if you ever, and I believe God has raised you up as a leadership in your generation, walk in love toward people, show them don't, you know, there's a lot of people that put on the love face on the outside and then they're mean to their family or they're mean to their, their spiritual family. You can't be mean to your brothers and then like, oh, we love the world. It doesn't work. You gotta, you gotta start at home. You gotta, you gotta love at home. You gotta love those you're closest to. You gotta walk in love. You gotta develop it there. That's where it's the hardest. You know, other people you don't have to live with. <laughs> family you gotta live with. So you really gotta, you know, it's, it's a good training ground for us to walk in love toward our families. Amen. So we need to continue to walk in love. We need to be guided by it and we need to follow it. Follow the love, the love of God. Jude verse 21, Jude verse 21 says, God and keep yourselves in the love of God. Expect and patiently wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ the Messiah which will bring you unto life eternal. God, and keep yourself. Guard your heart from all strife and bitterness and unforgiveness and keep in the love of God. Continue on just every day. Live it out. Hebrews 13, verse one through three. Let love for your fellow believers continue and be a fixed practice with you. Never let it fail. So walking in love mustn't just be something you do when you feel like it all your hormones are happy. <laughs> you've got to walk in love even when you don't feel like it. It's a decision. It's not a feeling. It's a decision. Let it be a fixed practice. It's got to be normal to you. It's, you've got to, it's just got to be who you are. Do not forget or neglect or refuse to extend hospitality to strangers in the brotherhood, being friendly, cordial, and gracious, sharing the comforts of your home and doing your part generously. For through it, some have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember those who are in prison as if you were their fellow prisoner, and those who are ill-treated, since you are also liable to bodily sufferings. You know, God doesn't want us just to love those who, who we live with. He wants us to actually reach out and love people who we ordinarily wouldn't have anything to do with. Amen. Because a lot of us, you know, we just have our own little circle, but we'd never think of going out of it and reaching out to someone that we wouldn't just bump into in the course of an ordinary day. So he actually wants us to go out of our way to be kind and loving to somebody. Amen. Colossians 3, verse 18 through 21. Wives, be subject to your husbands, subordinate and adapt yourselves to them as is right and fitting and your proper duty in the Lord. Wives, it's an act of love from a wife to a husband when a wife submits to her husband as unto the Lord. And women are created to be adaptable. We're just, we're able to multitask because our left and our right hemisphere of our brain are, have got a lot of good connections. Because of the testosterone, men don 't have real good connections between the right and left hemisphere, and that 's why they can 't multitask and that 's not a bad thing because <laughs> they can because men can do men men are really good at tracking objects that 's why more men play golf <laughs> than girls, because they can see where the ball went <laughs> i 'm just kidding now anyway <laughs> i really I love biology at school and I love those the science programs that you know and and so I watched the whole one of the differences between men and women and how it, it's it's, it's we're hardwired a certain way. And so, you know, that will really help you to walk in love towards your spouse when you realize they're hardwired differently to you. And that's no excuse for not walking in love in every situation, amen, but we're just different. And we, we could eliminate a lot of the strife in marriage when, when, when we're not expecting our husband to be like a girl, you know, a lot of people these days are expecting, they're expecting men to be all sensitive, but they're also expecting them to be men. It's like, the poor guys, they don't know which end is up anymore. It's like, what do you want me to do? You wanna be the man and protect you from, from, you know, the wolves? Or do you, do you want me to be all sensitive <laughs> like you, you know? Hello, I'd rather just have my man with, you know, to be a man and, and protect me, amen. And obviously, you know, the, the Bible says that thy love hath made me, uh, is it thy love hath made me great? I think it says, or gen- that my gentleness, thy gentleness, hath made, my gentleness, thy gentleness hath, ma- hath made me great, and so, you know, as a man, you can be loving, and you can be gentle, and it can be a strength, it's, it's, that's, a strong man is, is a gentle man, amen, you don't have to be a wimp, <laughs> or share your feelings, or, you know, like, well, you do have to share your feelings, but anyway, let's not all go there, but you know what I'm talking about, and then there's a lot of women, you know, they're trying to compete out there in a man's world, and, and try and be a man, hey. Honey, you're a girl. Just be a girl. You know, and, and you know, you're smart and you can do it. And I know, you know, sometimes, you know, yes, there is discrimination, all that stuff, but but don't feel like you have to be a guy to make it out there. You can be a girl. God made made men men and girls girls and gave us all a place and together the two become one. Amen. And and that's what the Lord wants, for us to be able to flow together and mesh together. So we don't wanna, we don't wanna be like each other, we're gonna be different, but we also don't wanna reject someone because they're different. You don't wanna get mad at the husband because he doesn't see things the way that we do or get mad at our wife because she won't do what we think she ought to, or whatever. We just love one another and, and, and enjoy one another's differences. But wives are created, women are created to adapt. We're, we're very much more adaptable. And so it is, in a marriage, it is better for a marriage for the obviously the husband has to do some adapting as well to a certain extent to accommodate his wife and to learn to live with her and to learn to meet her needs, because every woman is different. They're basically the same, but they're still a unique individuals. So the husband has to, you know, learn get to know his wife and learn how to meet her needs, her emotional needs and, and, and um whatever you know, whatever else whatever other needs that she has. And but obviously the wife is gonna do more of the adapting. So women have to be prepared to adapt to their husbands. And girls, the husbands will appreciate it if you'll do that. Don't feel like you have to step in and run the show. Let, let, let him run the show. You adapt, you can do more. You can do more nicely and kindly and sweetly than you can by, I said I want you to do this. <laughs> you know, you get, you, get, you get much more done, ladies, when you do it sweetly and nicely and you pick the right moment rather than just trying to steamroll him and force him because then he just digs his heels in and that's that. Because his mother used to nag him and the moment you start nagging, he just turns you out. Amen. So, and we're not talking about being manipulative, but we're just talking about walking in love toward that person and everybody can still be happy at the end of the day (laughs) and everybody can compromise, everybody can still get something out of the deal. (laughs) Then husbands, love your wives. Be affectionate and sympathetic with them. So be affectionate, be sympathetic. Don't be impatient when her hormones are freaking out. Don't be impatient when she's emotional. A lot of times girls have to just talk. And guys take it personally. When girls start opening their mouth and saying, oh, I not feel this and I feel that I'm going through. And it's like the husband feels like they're getting blamed because they immediately think they've got to fix it. And no, your wife, sometimes women just need to let it all out and talk about it, and once they've let it all out, because that's what we do with our girlfriends, we just talk and talk and talk until we feel better, and then, you know, <laughs> it's, it's like the lady who just, talk, and the husband just sitting there, like not saying anything, and she's talking and talking and talking, and, or have you ever seen like in a movie they do that, and then it's like, they, the person talks and talks, the other person doesn't, doesn't say one word, and then they go, oh, thank you, you helped me so much, and they <laughs> But, but they did, because they just listened, and then in the end, you, you talk yourself into your solution, you know? But husbands, don't interrupt and say, well, you ought to do this, and, and you know, well, why don't you try that? It's like, just be quiet and listen, okay? Don't take it personally. So it's, I, I, when I learned that, then I could say to my husband, don't take this personally, honey, because we work together in ministry. So if I, I'm moaning about something, he's gonna immediately take it personally, because he runs the, the thing. So he's thinking that I'm saying something about the way he's running it. I'm like, this has nothing to do with you. This is how I feel. Don't say anything pray for me, let me just talk about it, I'm just telling you how I feel. And so he took him off the hook, he could just relax and let me go on. And and then when I was finished, and it was finished, and we talked about it, and it was, it was great. <laughs> so we just need to learn to, to understand one another. And he, he, said he had to be sympathetic with me and understanding, affectionate and sympathetic. The Bible talks about that You know, if you want your prayers answered, you need to walk in love toward one another. Husbands, you need to be patient with your wife and you need to be gentle toward her and, and um, realize that she's not built like you are. Men, they, they did an experiment with the little kids, five-year-olds, and they, they had a doll that had an arm broken off, and, but you couldn't see it because the arm was in the clothes. And so they, this teacher or this lady would, would give a doll to a little boy or a little girl and when she gave them the doll, she actually let it go. The arm fell off and they watched the reactions. They did it with kid after kid and the little, the little girls, the arm would fall off and they'd be like, oh, baby's arm came off. And they'd look and they'd be so worried and they felt it was their responsibility and they had to fix it and they would try to fix it and they'd, the poor baby, her arm fell off. The boys would go, I think it was hilarious. (laughs) So, you know, men, (laughs) God made men tougher. Because they have to do harder things. They have to emotionally, and they have to be tough. They have to handle things. They have to not be wimps. They have to not run away from stuff. They need to face up to things. Look at what, you know, look at what men have to deal with just in society, just through the, through the generations, the roles of men and women, or what they had to, had to handle. And men do that because they're hardwired that way, because they can pick up the sword and fight and not worry about it. Whereas the girls, it's like they don't want to hurt anybody. They freak out when they see blood, you know, especially when it's your own kid. <laughs> And, and women, are they the nurturers, the ones that, that, that hear the baby crying in the middle of the night? Amen? Amen. And the husbands don't hear nothing. <laughs> well, most of them. My father would always be like, Dawn, Dawn, the baby's crying. The baby's crying. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> My husband, he, he wouldn't get up in the night. Well, he couldn't anyway, because he couldn't feed the baby. I had to feed the baby and all that kind of stuff. But um, she, the first three months, she had... I don't know what she had, I don't know if it was colic or what, but she would, uh, I, I couldn't get her to, to get the, the burps up after she, after I fed her, and then she would go for hours screaming and screaming and screaming in pain, which magically ended in three months, thank God. But I'd get to a place where it was like, okay, I can't take it anymore. I'm so tired, I'm so freaked out by this crying baby. I gotta hand it to someone else before I throw it out the window. <laughs> and you never think you can get to that place till you're like, <laughs> so tired, and so I, I give her to him and he'd just lie there on, on his warm tummy and he'd just pat her and pray in tongues and I'd go st- try and sleep somewhere else and he'd just lie there and pat her. So he was good for that. And he wasn't always there when they were tiny. I had to do all the hands on. I mean, I had to change all the diapers. I had to do all the homeschool. I had to do all the medical stuff. But you know what? When they were teenagers, if they, if they had issues, it was like, you're going with your dad. <laughs> and I, and, and he, he made up for... Anything he missed out when they were little, he made up for when they were teenagers. And so we learned to make it work in our family and to function together. And we have to, we've got to learn how to love one another. And I'm just using, just, you know, using that as an example of kids. But we each have a specific place in the marriage and we need to, there needs to be some give and take and we need to understand. And husbands, when your wives are exhausted and flat tired, get in there and help, change the diaper, even if, even if it's not the thing you enjoy doing the most. Bath the baby, whatever. Uh, you know, wives, you know, if, you, if your husbands are whacked out and tired and, you know, do something for them, whatever whatever you know that they like. And let's let's walk in love toward one another. Let's care about one another. Let's let's not just live together. Let's let's do stuff for each other to try and make each other happy and and uh it it'll just make for a a better marriage and a lasting marriage all year all the way around. And then it carries on in verse nineteen saying, Do not be harsh or bitter or resentful toward them. Men, it's very easy for you to just you know, like, that's it, you know? And so the Bible says don't do that. Be affection sympathetic, don't be harsh, don't be bitter, don't be resentful, don't just get angry, don't just write the thing off. You know, a a lot of times men don't wanna talk things out, they don't have the patience for it. You gotta just do it. You gotta just, you know, suck your manly pride under, whatever you gotta do, just, just sit down i mean men men are not comfortable always opening up about their feelings but you need to learn with your wife you got to be able to open up your heart and do that if you're going to have a good marriage you're going to need to be able to open up not just not just cut stuff off and 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 get just get mad about stuff and 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 there's a lot of men that are that treat their families really badly and they're very harsh with their wives and rough with them and and bitter against them and resentful and and uh That's not nice, so you get the whiny, naggy woman, and then the husband who's hard and harsh. That's not God's plan for our marriages, amen? Amen. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this is pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke or irritate or fret your children. Do not be hard on them or harass them, lest they become discouraged and sullen and morose and feel inferior and frustrated. Don't break their spirit. Your son is not a carbon copy of you. Maybe you were a star football player in university. That doesn't mean that your kid is gonna even wanna have anything to do with the football. Maybe they wanna play the violin. Or maybe you were very artistic and and you played a musical instrument and and you can't believe it because your kid, all he wants to do is play soccer. You know, they're individuals. The Bible says, train up a child the way he should go. And that, the connotation there is in the individual bent. So find out what your kid's good at, find out what they wanna do and let them do it, even if it's not something you would wanna have anything to do with. They're different from you, they're not a little you. And so don't try and force them into a mold and make them somebody that they're not supposed to be. You know, we really tried with ministry, not to not just tell our child or put any expectation on them and say, you know, thou shalt be this and thou shalt be that and you're gonna take over this and you're gonna do this. No, they needed to grow up and find what God had for them. You know, some sons are raised up and take over their dad's ministry and some of them go and do something completely different and, and spiritual sons are raised up to take over. You know, you can have spiritual sons as well as, well as sons in the natural. But, but husbands particularly, sometimes women we can be too accommodating with the children and, and let them get away with too much and sometimes fathers can be like a little too rough and hard on them expecting too much from them. And so fathers really need to allow the Lord to do a work in their life to for them to, to be gentle and kind to their wife while still being the head of the house and having authority over their children, being the head of the home, disciplining the children, but still loving the kids and not, not harassing them, provoking them, forcing them, demanding. And br- do not break their spirit. That's not in the love of God. We need to love in deed, not just with our mouth. 1 Corinthians 16, 14. Let everything you do be done in love, true love to God and man, as inspired by God's love for us. So God loved us, so we also should love other people truly. Not just say it, it's fine. I love you, I love you so much, oh, I love you. I mean, Pastor Rodney says, you know, shake someone's hand, tell them you love them, you know. I love you, I love you. (laughs) It's your deeds that that are the evidence of, of your love, not just what you say. 1 John 3, 1 John 3, 18 through 24. Little children, let us not love merely in theory or in speech, but in deed and in truth, in practice and in sincerity. Remember, children will do what you do, not just what you say. And children will be who you are. I mean, it's what you say that influences your kid first, then what you do, and then who you are. So it's not just what you say, it's not just what you do, but it's who you are. And that's why it's, when it talks about love being a fixed practice, love needs to be who you are. Because whoever you are, that's what you're gonna, that's what you're gonna transmit to your kids. And not just your kids in the natural, but your spiritual kids. And I, I heard somebody say this one day, and I really love this, and it said, be the person you want your kids to be. I learned, I learned from example, especially from my mother, because she's a pure woman, she's a good woman. I learned a lot from her. She, said, she was my example. It wasn't just, you know some, there were some things that my, da- my dad said that was thou shalt not and thou shalt not and thou shalt not. I mean, we knew what my dad expected of us. I mean, he would sit and, and lecture us and tell us, you, you'll do this and you won't do that. And so at least we knew where we were at and we knew what to expect. But my mother was the one that lived it out in front of me. And when I got saved, all I had to do was start doing what my parents taught me to do. Amen. So it wasn't it wasn't that that difficult. But my mom lived it out in front of me, even though she wasn't born again. So we need to walk in love, in practice and in sincerity, not for our own sake, but for those who are watching us, for those we lead, for those who and you are an example to everybody. Amen. You know, it's like some of these girls that that want a singing career, and you know they they come in and they're all sweet and innocent, and you know come in and they start singing and then get corrupted by the whole scene and next thing you know, I mean, they're, they're in a not a very good place and they're very blatant about all the the stuff they're up to that's not godly and then everybody says to them, but you know, you're know, you an example to all these 12-year-old kids and they're like, well, I don't wanna be an example. It's like, hey, it's too late now. And you wanted to be the singing star, you, you know if all the little kids are gonna want your poster up on the wall and dress like you and walk like you and talk like you. You are the example, so you might as well Just accept it right now. By this, we shall come to know and perceive and recognize and understand that we are of the truth and can reassure, quiet and conciliate and pacify our hearts in his presence. Whenever our hearts in tormenting self-accusation make us feel guilty and condemn us, for we are in God's hands, for he is above and greater than our consciences, our hearts, and he knows, perceives and understands everything. Nothing is hidden from him. And beloved, if our consciences, our hearts do not accuse us, if they do not make us feel guilty and condemn us, we have confidence, complete assurance and boldness before God. Your heart will tell you if you're out of line or not. Ask the Lord. I mean, you might even come and have someone tell you, well, you're not doing this right and you're not doing that right, go check your heart. If you, if you need to change it, change it. But if the Lord says, you're okay, keep going, then keep going, you judge it by your heart. What is your heart telling you. And we receive from Him whatever we ask because we watchfully obey His orders, observe His suggestions and injunctions, following His plan for us, and habitually practice what is pleasing to Him. You know, it's amazing to me, we've had to counsel a lot of people, like especially in marriage situations and whatever, and we had one situation where the gentleman had been married seven times, he was on his eighth wife, and they weren't doing too well. And so the, the pastor who was counseling him took him to the Word and said, this is what the Word says, and, 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 <laughs> and, the guy was like like shocked, like, you mean you mean I gotta live that? And we were like, Hello? No wonder you're on their eighth wife. And it's like they come to church and they're Christians, but they don't actually think that, that the word applies to them. Well, you know, it, it's kinda like um, you know, any of the the laws that are out there. We think everybody else should be obeying the laws, but then we wanna break the law you know, whether it's going over the speed limit. <laughs> and we think the law doesn't apply to us as long as there's no cop around. Like, <laughs> you know, and so, and we do that. That's just a small thing, but we do that in a lot of things. We expect everybody else to, to obey the rules, but we wanna break them and think that it's okay. Well, you know, uh, you know, you might be going 100 miles an hour and a cop might not see you, but the word of God, God, he's there, he knows, he sees. And whatever you sow, that and that alone is what, you're gonna reap in your life, amen. Verse 23, and this is His order, His command and His injunction, that we should believe in and put our faith in and trust in and adhere to and rely on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ the Messiah, and that we should love one another just as he commanded us all who keep his commandments who obey his orders and follow his plan live and continue to live to stay and abide in him and he in them they let Christ be a home to them and they are the home of Christ by this we know and understand and have the proof that he really lives and makes his home in us by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us so we really know that God lives in us when we're obeying him First Peter one and verse twenty two because you know there's a difference between just Jesus living in your heart and make, coming and making his home dwelling in you because he said everybody who ab- if you abide in my word and my word abide abides in you I will come and my Father will also come and will live will dwell will stay with you we won't just visit you. <laughs> First Peter 1.22, since by your obedience to the truth through the Holy Spirit you have purified your hearts for the sincere affection of the brethren, see that you love one another fervently from a pure heart. Love comes out of a pure heart. All of these things kinda work together. As you develop a pure heart, as you allow the Lord to purify you, your love will increase. It's the pureness of your heart. To the pure, all things are pure. Love and purity go hand in hand. As you burn the junk out of your life and allow God to purify you, you you will increase in the love walk. And walking in love, making a decision, walking in love, walking it out, practicing it, will will cause a purity to come to your own life. It'll straighten you out. 1 Peter 4, 8 and 9. Above all things have intense and unfailing love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sins, forgives and disregards the offenses of others. I don't know about you, but I know when, when, we're, we're, all, when we're in a Holy Ghost meeting and everybody's getting touched and everybody's under the anointing, it's like you, you love everybody. Everybody's your brother, your sister, especially your drinking partners. <laughs> you, you just love them, you care about them. I mean, I'll sit there and I'll watch someone getting touched and it's like I'm, I, I, I get so blessed that it starts hitting me. I mean, I said, I'll cry for people. I'll see, I'll see them getting touched and I'll cry. I watched the, the one pastor, and I won't say you know, which one he was, but Pastor Rodney was praying for one of the pastors that visited this week. And I could see he was just standing there, tears rolling down his face. And I, and I just sensed such a purity in him. I don't know the man, I've never met him. I don't even know what his name is. I shook his hand once and that was after that. But I could just see a purity in him. It is openness to the Lord, just a sweet, sweet spirit. Uh, you know, uh, um, I, I really love uh, Ted Shuttlesworth. I think he's, he's got, for such a powerful gift, he's got the sweetest spirit, amen. And that's, that's so precious. Verse nine says, practice hospitality to one another, those of the household of faith. Be hospitable, a lover of strangers. A lover of strangers, we don't all love strangers. <laughs> but the Bible says we must love strangers. With brotherly affection for the unknown guests, the foreigners, the poor, and all others who come your way, who are in, of Christ's body, and in each instance do it ungrudgingly, cordially, and graciously, without complaining, but as representing Him. So we might grow in love. We might walk, learn to walk in love toward our family. We might uh, love our friends. We might love our fellow believers. But God wants us to extend the umbrella out and to love and embrace those people that are like not so clean, not so nice, you know, that that we wouldn't normally hang out with, but God wants us to reach out to those people, to love them, to, to care about them, amen. When, when I saw the little kids that have lost their parents you know, in that tsunami, I just wanted to go over there and fetch a few yeah. and just bring them home. And I thought, man, if there's three, there's probably you know, 30,000 or 300,000 that have been orphaned by this thing. I mean, if 150, whatever, thousand or more people have been killed, you must know how many kids are left behind with no family and nobody. And your heart, heart, when you have the love of God and your heart goes out to be your love, you wanna help, you wanna do something. Romans 12, verse nine through 21. Let your love be sincere, a real thing. Hate what is evil, loathe all ungodliness, Turn in horror from wickedness, Romans 12, 9-21. Love one another with brotherly affection as members of one family, giving precedence and showing honor to one another. Never lag in zeal and in earnest endeavor. Be aglow and burning with the spirit, serving the Lord. Serve Him with all your heart. Rejoice and exult in hope. Be steadfast and patient in suffering and tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of God's people. That's love, you're showing your love when you meet someone else's needs. Sharing in the necessities of the saints. Pursue the practice of hospitality. The, the, the early church, what, what was one of the hallmarks of the early church? They sold all their stuff and they shared it with everybody. Why wow, they were so full of Jesus, they fell in love with each other. And they sold and they gave. Because for many of them, except embracing Jesus meant they got kicked out of their family, got kicked out of their job, you know? And so they, they had to... No, to love and help one another. Bless those who persecute you, who are cruel in their attitude toward you. Bless and do not curse them. Why? You're protecting your own heart. Amen. Let me tell you, when you're in ministry, you have to develop a hide like a rhinoceros to where you just let the criticism, and you let that stuff just, just not come in and get at you. But at the same time, you can't, put such a hard shell around you that you cut everybody out, which is what a lot of people do. A lot of people toughen up, but they don't let their heart be soft. You gotta keep your heart soft. Whatever it takes, you know. You know, don't ask me what it takes. Go to the Word, go to the Holy Spirit. He'll show you what it takes. Walk in love. When you walk in love, you will keep your heart soft and you will allow love to be your armor. Amen, and to protect you and let God protect you. Let God take care of every situation. And so learn learn to be tough in that you don't take offense. Learn to be tough in that you don't, when somebody that you look up to lets you down, that you don't go down with them. Don't go down with the sinking ship. And you can go down by just getting offended, by judging, by getting angry with them. If someone blows it, feel sorry for them, cry for them, pray for them. Check your own heart, make sure you walk in right, learn from them. I mean, I've got some people, I could, I could say to them today, thank you for being such a blessing in my life. I learned so much from you about the Lord and you were such a wonderful example to me and the things of the anointing and the spirit. And thank you for also teaching me, you know, you've made some mistakes and I've learned from your mistakes, thank you. <laughs> So, so we can learn from one another's mistakes. So develop that hide that doesn't allow you to take offense but keep that soft heart to where you can still love people, you can still embrace someone. Just because somebody did you wrong and stabbed you in the back and was mean to you yesterday, that doesn't mean that you walk around today like suspicious of everybody and you expect everybody that comes along gonna do this to you. I mean. I've, I've had to work with some people like that to where they had a situation and they left, it wasn't very nice, they, they were stabbed in the back and whatever, I didn't know the real situation because I didn't talk to the other person. And, you know, and then you know, they worked with us for a while and then we did something they didn't like and we went off and then we were the dog's breakfast because we did this to them. And, and you know, I, I stay away from people who's, who are mad at everybody and everybody did something to them. I don't want to be around people who everybody, everybody has done stuff to them because I know sooner or later they're going to be running around telling everybody what I did to them. And it has nothing to do with what I do or what I don't do, but it has to do with their own attitude or what you do or anything. You know have, you know what I'm talking about? you all met some people like that. Rejoice with those who rejoice, sharing others' joy. So we need to be, Happy when other other people are happy and they're blessed. We need to be blessed by them being blessed. That's the love of God is when, especially a lot of times when you're not doing so great and someone else is blessed, it's hard to rejoice, but love will rejoice with that person and say, yeah, my blessing's coming. That's not fair. (laughs) Because again, that's not fair means you're walking in fear and not in faith and you're not trusting God in your own life. Because if someone else is blessed and you haven't seen it yet, you just rejoice because you know yours is coming. That's faith. Hallelujah. (laughs) Then weep with those who weep. Share their grief. Be kind. Be understanding of what people are going through. Go through it with them. Sit cry with them. Just cry with them. If you have to, whatever, feel what they feel. Just love them. You know, a lot of times if someone loses a loved one, you know, if we've never lost a loved one, we don't know what to say. And, but you know, all people need to say to you is we love you, we love you, we're praying for you, give them a hug, we're standing with you. That's all people need when they're going through tough times, just to know somebody loves them, somebody cares about them and, and they'll, they'll go through it and they'll pick themselves up and they'll be fine but they just need to know that you love them. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, snobbish, high-minded and exclusive but readily adjust yourself to people and things and give yourself to humble tasks. Don't. Don't be too high and mighty that you can't do a humble task. Amen. That I think that's a problem sometimes, you know, even with like ministry of helps and everything that I see a lot in in ministries that happens, you have to be really careful that that, and, and we need ministry of helps and that's a training ground for those people. You know, all of us have to do ministry of helps. All of us have to take care of someone else's business before God will give us our own business. And the Bible says and if we take care of of other people's affairs properly, then, then God will bless us with our own. And so every one of us has to go that process, but never come to a place where when you get to the place and people are serving you and helping you and, and helping you in ministry of helps, that you can't do stuff for yourself and you can't you know, just humble yourself to do something or to even serve that person if you needed to. So, so don't become so high and mighty that you can't uh, reach down and do something simple. Never underestimate your, I mean, sorry, never overestimate yourself or be wise in your own conceits. You don't know it all and you're never gonna know it all. Don't ever think that you do. You might be a leader, but that gives you a greater responsibility to walk in humility, amen. And many people allow their leadership to to be an excuse to, to be arrogant. Repay no one evil for evil, but take thought for what is honest and proper and noble, aiming to be above reproach in the sight of everyone. Everyone is everyone, so um, you know, if, if people are ugly and mean to you, like a lot of times we'll be all holier than thou with our brothers and sisters, but then in the world someone will do something and we'd think nothing about But the Bible says don't repay evil with evil in front of everybody, and especially in front of sinners. You wanna, you wanna live right, you wanna conduct yourself right, you wanna, you wanna uh, you know, allow the love of God to come out of you and not, not your flesh to manifest. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone, if it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live in peace. That doesn't mean you compromise your standards, but it means that you do everything you can to walk in love and peace and sort things out and make sure things are right in your own life. Like I said, we just leave the door open and if they wanna come back, they're welcome, amen. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave the way open for God's wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay or requite, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals upon his head. Do not let yourself be, be overcome by evil, but overcome and master evil with good. You know, the world doesn't understand that when they do something to you, and especially if they do it deliberately, and you attack back at them, that's what they expect you to do. But when you respond by loving them and blessing them, they, they don't know what to do with you. They just, they just don't know. It's like it takes all the fight out of them. The Bible also says that a soft answer turns away wrath. So someone you know, can come at you with a loud voice or with aggression, and our natural instinct is to go louder or to go more aggressive, to make yourself bigger, to conquer them. To <laughs> but, but God says that a soft answer turns away wrath. They don't know, when, when, you, when you come back in the love of God, it like takes all the air out of their balloon. <laughs> they, 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 don't, they, don't know. they don't know what to do with you, amen. And you might, you don't know, but you might be winning that person to the Lord. As you do that, always think of someone as your potential future friend. (laughs) Even your enemies, and if you'll you'll love them, they'll finally come around. We've had a lot of people that criticized us all over the place and said mean things about us. And two years later, they're in the meeting on the front row, oh, we're so hungry. We want everything we can get. And you know what? We went there going, well, you can't have any. You were nasty to us and we ain't gonna give you any. (laughs) We just had to say, we're so happy to see you. We're so glad that, you didn't allow the devil to steal from you and that you come to receive from God. Because this is not ours, it doesn't belong to us. We didn't originate it, we didn't start it. It has nothing to do with us, it's all Him. It's all Him, it's all about Jesus. We just wanna get people into the presence of Jesus so that He can love on them and do the work in them. And, and really, all we do, we, we just ushers, we just let God's presence come in and He does it. If people are not hungry, they're not gonna get anything. But if they are, they are, amen. Love your enemies, Matthew 5, 38 through 48. As you have have heard it was said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the evil man who injures you. But if anyone strikes you on the right jaw or cheek, turn to him the other one too. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your undershirt or your tunic, let him have your coat also. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to him who keeps on begging from you and do not turn away from him who would borrow at interest from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your enemies and pray for those, oh, sorry, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, to show that you are the children of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the wicked and on the good and makes the rain fall upon the upright and the wrongdoers alike. For if you love those who love you, what reward can you have? Do not even the tax collectors do that? and if you greet only your brethren, what more than others are you doing? Do not even the Gentiles, the heathen, do that? You, are the, you therefore must be perfect, growing into complete maturity of godliness and mind and character, having reached the proper height of virtue and integrity as your heavenly Father is perfect." So your, the, mar, the hallmark of, of your Christianity is that you love people who, who are not your friends and your family, because even the, the world loves their friends and their family, but the fact that you love your enemies is an indication to everybody that you are different. Luke six, twenty-six through thirty-seven. Luke six twenty-six, woe to alas for you, when everyone speaks fairly and handsomely of you and praises you, for even so their forefathers did to the false prophets. But I say to you who are listening now to me, in order to heed and make it a practice to love your enemies, treat well. Do good to act nobly toward those who detest you and pursue you with hatred. Invoke blessings upon and pray for the happiness of those who curse you. Implore God's blessing and favor upon those who abuse you, who revile, reproach, disparage, and high-handedly misuse you. Now, whatever people sow, they're gonna reap. And so if people are sowing evil, they're gonna, that's what they're gonna reap. So whatever your enemy's doing against you, that's what they're gonna reap. But as far as you are concerned, and for the sake of your heart, you need to pray for God to bless them. What God is able to do for them is really up to them. Whatever they've sown, they're gonna reap, obviously. God will bless them. God, God, God wanted to bless you when you were mean and stinky and ugly. He did, he wanted to bless you, he wanted to love you and forgive you. Aren't you glad about that? Aren't you glad he, he forgave you? And then, so extend the same grace to someone else. Extend the same mercy and know that God wants to love them and forgive them and restore them as well. So for your own heart's sake, bless them. We've done that many times. People have talked against us and been ugly. They're like, all oh, nice to your face and behind your back, it's another story. You know what, do you know, really we bless them. Sometimes you just gotta bless someone to keep your heart pure. You gotta give them something, bless them, just, just to, to get it off your heart, to get it out of you so that you can you can walk free. To the one who strikes you on the jaw or cheek, offer the other jaw or cheek, and then it goes on talking about all the garments and the goods and and verse 31, and as you would like and desire that men would do to you, do, do exactly so to them. For if you merely love those who love you, what quality of credit and thanks is that to you? For even the very sinners love their lovers, those who love them. And if you are kind and do good and favors, to and benefit those who are kind and good and do favors to and benefit you, what quality of credit and thanks is that to you? For even the preeminently sinful do the same. And if you lend money and interest to those from whom you hope to receive, what quality of credit and thanks is that to you? Even notorious sinners lend money and interest to sinners so as to recover as much again. So we are, we're not to just help and bless those who are gonna give back to us. We need to love people who, and bless people who can't give back to us and who are not loving us, amen. that's when we'll get credit. We don't get credit for the other, we get credit for going out of our way. But love your enemies, be kind and do good, doing favors so that someone derives benefit from them, lend expecting and hoping for nothing in return, but considering nothing is lost and despairing of no one. Nothing you sow is lost. Everything good, every good seed that you sow, God will restore to you and, and bless, amen. And then, Your recompense, your reward will be great, rich, strong, intense, and abundant. And you will be sons of the Most High for He is kind and charitable and good to the ungrateful and the selfish and the wicked. So be merciful, sympathetic, tender, responsive, and compassionate, even as your Father is all these. Judge not, neither pronouncing judgment or subjecting to censure, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and pronounce guilty, and you will not be condemned and pronounced guilty. Acquit and forgive and release. Give up resentment, let it drop, and you will be acquitted, forgiven, and released. Now, in James chapter 2, in verse 1 through 13, he's talking about how to treat people. And he says, My brethren, pay no servile regard to people, show no prejudice, no partiality, do not attempt to hold in practice. James 2, 1 through 13. Hold and practice the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, together with snobbery. For if a person comes into your congregation whose hands are adorned with gold rings and who is wearing splendid apparel, and also a poor man in shabby clothes comes in and you pay special attention to the one who wears the splendid clothes, and say to him, sit here in this preferable seat, while you tell the poor man, "Stand." there or sit there on the floor at my feet? Are you not discriminating among your own and becoming critics and judges with wrong motives? Listen, my beloved brethren, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and in their position as believers and to inherit the kingdom which he has promised to those who love him? But you, in contrast, have insulted, humiliated, dishonored, and shown you contempt for the poor. Is it not the rich who domineer over you? Is it not they who drag you into the law courts? Is it not they who slander and blaspheme that precious name by which you are distinguished and called the name of Christ, invoked in baptism? and Indeed, if indeed you really fulfill the royal law, he calls it the royal law, in accordance with the scripture, you shall love your neighbors, you love yourself, you do well. But if you show servile regard, prejudice and favoritism for people, you commit sin and are rebuked and convicted by the law as violators and offenders. For whosoever keeps the law as a whole but stumbles and offends in one single instance has become guilty of breaking it all. All of it, for he who said you shall not commit adultery has also said you shall not kill. If you do not commit adultery but do kill, you have become guilty of transgressing the whole law. So speak and so act as people should who are to be judged under the law of liberty, the moral instruction given by Christ, especially about love. For to him who has shown no mercy, though judgment will be merciless, but mercy full of glad confidence exalts victoriously over judgment. So you, that scripture tells us right there, you set the standard for your judgment. If you show no mercy, no mercy will be shown to you. But hallelujah, vic- that mercy exalts victoriously over judgment. And God has given us the command and the ability to walk in love and to walk in mercy. And because of that, we set the tone for the way that God deals with us. Amen.